Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise. Join Will Tondo and Jake Zimmer every week as we dive into interviews with leaders in the craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment world. This podcast wouldn't be here without Spotify. Get to know Spotify for podcasters, the free all-in-one podcast platform for every creator. This tool allows you to publish shows to all major platforms and helps turn your passions into careers. To find out more, head over to podcasters.spotify.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB for all wager incentives. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org if you have any issues. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Now, here's our episode of Beers, Business, and Balls. Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HOUSE at checkout. You can get 20% off your order and free shipping. And by DraftKings, use the code BBB, and you can get some bonus bets, up to $200, no matter what your state is. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use BBB as your code. You can get up to $200 in bonus bets and what a great time for it nhl uh playoffs underway nba playoffs underway or almost done rather um i think the only thing missing from our sponsorship arsenal is an allergy medicine of some sorts because i am i just did those reads and i'm realizing i sound like shit Clarendon hit us up somebody because not good not good I mean, between that and the weather this week, too, it's got oddly cold, but there's still Yeah, 34 degrees this morning. But there's still pollen on the ground and on my windshield, so. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. This is a season where you walk out to your car and it's fucking green. That's not cool. Sucks. Sucks. But yeah, no. I don't know what to do. We need Claritin. We need something. We need vitamin. I don't know something. Vitamins. They're just immune- Vicodin. No, not no, 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 no. We don't need any of that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we we're we're drug free podcast people. Um, yeah. Uh, Whalers on the show today. We had alluded to this a couple times last week. Rhode Island's beer royalty, uh, and it's the gentleman at. Whalers Brewing Company that joined the show. First of all, uh, just a quick review of the Whalers space and stuff before we go and our overall experience. I mean, uh, that was that was one of the cooler in-person interviews I thought we've done in the beer world. Uh, it is always nice, and this is not a knock on breweries that don't do this, but it is always nice, and you sort of remember it in the back of your head when we go home with a case of beer. And, you know, I... You know, making the move these past couple of weeks, I made sure the whaler's precious cargo is with us, right? And that that's something you remember. You remember how you're treated. We talk about this all the time. You walk into breweries, 
you know, the way that you feel means a lot more sometimes than the, the taste of the actual beer itself. And Whalers doesn't have to worry about either of that because uh, fantastic experience. Now, that was also the first time I'd been to that tap room. It, granted, it was empty. We filmed that on a Monday morning. The lights were off. It was sort of it, it was, you know, no customers were in there, but you could tell that place meant a lot to the Rhode Island beer community for sure. Yeah, shout out to Joanne, who is the woman that wears many hats over at Whalers that helped us set this up. And then Josh and Wes were absolutely awesome. I mean, their story of them meeting, the whole rise of literally rise beer is quite incredible. And I was say, how did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I, you know, a play on words, but we were on our car ride home and they were telling us like how much they produce. And we're like trying to do the math. It's like, wait, do we carry the zero? Because there's like, there's, this is like hundreds of millions of like liters of beer that I think we calculated that whalers produces. Um, <laughs> so one of the white whales, again, no pun intended. What the fuck? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> this is brilliant. One of the white whales in the Rhode Island beer uh, community uh, joins us for the podcast. So this was a great interview, great conversation. And uh, yeah, I mean, leaving there, like you said, leaving there with a case of beer and some good laughs is always something we'll remember. And we hope you enjoy the conversation. Yeah, this is Josh Dunlap and Wes Stashke. I hope I'm saying that correctly because it's been a couple of weeks since we actually recorded that interview. But uh, what awesome stories. I mean, Josh, uh, ex-Marine Corps, Wes was an engineer, and you'll hear all about how they met, uh, crushing some beers, doing sketchy stuff. And finally, uh, you know, years later, one of the pioneers of New England beer in general. So Wes and Josh from Whalers, let's go into the conversation. All right, everybody, with us this week, we're at Whalers Brewing Company. We're joined by Josh and Wes. Uh, live in person, we've got the beautiful tap room, we've got the cornhole boards. A little jealous we can't be outside playing, but we're talking to you <laughs> two instead. Uh, but first and foremost, thanks so much for having us, and uh, how's everything going? Good. Well, thanks for coming in. We're excited to uh, chat with you guys today. <laughs> we're, we're, we're right into this thing. We're going to hold we it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's all right. We've got mics everywhere, and it's quiet enough that something will get yeah. picked up, so no worries at all. But everything's good? Yeah. Yeah, everything's good. And thank you guys for uh, coming down this way. Um, I hope you enjoyed the drive for a couple city boys. Yeah. yeah. We're talking with the guys at Shades On. They're like, God, like going up there, we might need to pack an overnight bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Water, <laughs> rations, you know. It's a drive up there. It's a drive up there. So, all right. So, we see where your where your eyes stand with being down here in the south, and it's like it's too far to head up to Providence for I lunch. I mean, I head up there every now and then, but yeah, no, for sure. It's way too far. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> But That's it. yeah, so let's talk about whalers. Let's talk about how you guys both met. So founded in 2011, and we'll touch upon both of your backgrounds in a little bit. Um, you know, what was the start for you two? How did you two meet? And how did you guys create one of the most recognizable brands from when you guys met? Uh, well, I moved down here from Boston. I went to school in Boston um, and I was doing some homebrewing up there and then came down to Rhode Island um, to start a, a brewery in West Warwick um, and it didn't end up panning out um, and I had just looked up online like local breweries in Rhode Island like what's around and I saw Josh uh, and you were like just getting licensed like just just about to go through all the, the regulatory like paperwork and all that 
so <laughs> I just like emailed him and was like, hey, you want to team up? And he's like, okay. <laughs> so I just packed up my gear and came down here and, uh, and yeah, this is where we're at now. It's pretty wild. Yeah, we always joke uh, that we met up on uh, Craigslist Casual Encounters, <laughs> but but yeah, now he sent me an email. Where did we meet up to uh, our first meeting? Oh, we met up at like a like a DJ Friday thing. <laughs> or like Ruby like Tuesday or oh, something. I had like my leather like binder like full of like drawings and like random stuff. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. The important question is what you get at TGI Fridays. Probably the Austin Blossom, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Nothing God. like chain restaurants to bring two founders together, right? That's hey, it. you know, it's uh Rhode Island, so it's a wild place. That's for sure. Nobody so, got the ribs? Uh, I think I probably by the time Wes got there, I think I probably had seven or eight beers. <laughs> So clearly, I mean, he passed the vibe check that you're like, okay, let's start a business. 100 percent, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. We are drastically simplifying the creation of Whalers. Yeah. Right? We went to a chain restaurant. We said, "Fuck it, we're going to do this." And that's it. Um, what a story, um, Josh. You were you're in the Marine Corps, um, commercial fisherman. So where where did you get that beer passion from? Because um, Probably wasn't either of those two paths, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was in the Marines, um, whenever we were stateside in between deployments, we drank a lot of beer, uh, and that kind of turned into trying to brew beer, and it was never good, uh, but we drank it anyway. But it really kind of opened up my eyes that um, it, it was a really cool uh, creative outlet for me, you know, something take my mind off other things and um, it was kind of fun to not just drink all the time it was fun to actually try and make, make something beer. as well right. too yeah um, but I feel like yeah the West Coast was definitely kind of my inspiration um, as far as beer goes for sure and what was that first beer you made because we're home brewers as well and we have our first beer and it was a beer. It smelled like a beer. It looked like a beer. It kind of tastes like beer, but it was a beer. Yeah. I mean, it sounds better than the beer that I think I first brewed. I don't even know if there's a category for, for what we made. Your favorite beer. It was... Maybe not even the flavor. It was... It was brown. Uh, and it had... It was some ABV. I have no idea what it was. But um, it wasn't... Yeah, I... I couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> did it? Did it have alcohol at all? Did the did the fermentation process work? It de it definitely worked because uh, we drank all of it within like an hour, so it definitely worked. <laughs> uh, Five gallon carboy just gone. Oh yeah, <laughs> instantly. <laughs> I love that. Love that. And then you are also a home brewer as well, but you came from the engineering side. Um, yeah, I was up at, uh, in Boston for engineering. I was working for a motion control and robotics company and just started I was living with six other guys in Austin in this like disgusting house there and we just started brewing beer one day I'm not sure we got like a free kit off Craigslist from some guy and uh, we we're like oh we'll make beer this is gonna be cool and uh, and then it just and then we made beer every single weekend for like two years straight so it, it was pretty good. We had the kegerators, six-tap kegerator, and, like, the whole thing by the end. It was really cool. Um, and speaking about that first beer, I remember mine specifically was a, a honey ale 
we like bought one of those pre-made kits, you know, where everything's in it. And we're like, we're going to spice this up a little bit. <laughs> we're going to make this custom. We're going to put some honey in there. <laughs> and like, of course, we bottled in. There's like about three inches of like sediment in the bottom of the bottles. Because we didn't know. I mean, how are you supposed to know? You've never done it before. But I remember cracking the bottle for the very first time because you don't know if it's going to work or not. And you hear that like, that like hiss of the carbonation. And you're like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> like, we made beer. This is it. <laughs> I mean, we've had that too. And then two seconds later, whoosh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. no, we're like, yeah. all right, back our, yeah. I think <laughs> early days, one of our best TikToks was like, this is what happens when you don't carbonate your beer uh, appropriately and just cap well, it open. We, and- we, did a, we, made a, we made a stout, and that was the same thing. Let's hold get some like chocolate notes and more flavors and yeah. then us not realizing how much sugar was in everything oh, else yeah. just oh, yeah. threw off everything on the recipe yeah, I, I think we uh, we actually tried to ferment them um, I don't know what the what we used for a vessel but we tried to uh, bottle carbonate them in one gallon howler howler jugs or growler jugs and uh, they're still fermenting, so they start exploding. Oh man! And these were one-gallon big boys, so there's i mean, there was glass. It was wild. It was like frag grenades popping off. Jesus! No one got hurt though. It's fine. Everybody's safe, everyone. Everyone, safe everyone, to make beer everyone was okay. Yes, we promise. Um, but so, so you guys meet up at your TGI Fridays. So you say yes, we're we're in, um, and then you start checking some items off the list. So Whalers obviously has grown into probably I would say the most recognizable beer brand from Rhode Island. Um, you know, distributed across New England and beyond. Right, everybody knows. Okay, Whalers is like a nice coastal Rhode Island uh, company. But what was the inspiration behind the name? Maybe some of the uh, the inspiration behind the, the physical location we're at at Palisades Mills as well. You know what? Uh, how did Whalers sort of become Whalers after that? Um, I, I think for me personally, I, I really liked Whalers because I had a commercial fishing background, and I thought that it tied in nicely to uh, just kind of New England history. Um, I mean, we don't do that anymore. We don't whale anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I always thought the history was kind of fascinating. Yeah, and Josh has, is like from two blocks away, so that's the location part of it is, you know, your hometown. So this this mill, easy. too, I think it's interesting, you know, driving in. It's been a long time since we've both been down here. We're like, wow, it's kind of, you know, tucked away in this little, like, industrial little area. So with that, did any of that stick out to you guys and say, okay, you know, this is this sort of fits the vibe we're looking for? Or was it just sort of like, hey, I'm, you know, this, there's real estate here. It's where we're from. When I was in Boston still and I was putting together the business plan, I was looking in Connecticut and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and pretty quickly realized that I wanted to be in Rhode Island uh, to start the business and Josh showed me around here and it was like, oh yeah, this is this is spot. So it's near the beaches, it, I mean the, the area is lovely, the, the URI is right up there, there's tons going on, it's, it's really a great spot. And it's also pretty cool. Uh, Brewing in this mill. This mill's got a lot of history. Uh, they used to do a lot of manufacturing here um, back in the day. It's an old textile mill, so it's kind of cool to bring back manufacturing to this mill. And obviously, I mean, you guys started in 2011. You've grown within yourself, but still has the craft beer community in Rhode Island. So, how cool has that been to be one of like the forefront leaders in the state to now watching it be, you know, 
we're at over what 30 something breweries almost close to 40. when i first moved down here there was six yeah i mean it's like it's, it's wild it's wild and that was also part of the reason was because at the time massachusetts had 30 or 40 which at the time was a lot connecticut same and rhode island had six so it was like a lot easier to be one of six than one of 36. but um yeah i mean there's there's so many awesome breweries in the state now and it's great no matter what town you live in you can you find a local brewery and yeah it's a really cool kind of group really cool club to be part of and that's actually another good question too like if whalers didn't exist and you guys were having this conversation now where there's 40 breweries in rhode island or whatever the number is i don't know like is did that almost were those tailwinds for you guys did they help you grow like given that you were sort of one of Ten at any given point in those early years, and you were able to set that name brand, or you know, is there a world where you you guys think, of course, you know, you could have had that same success if you started this now? I think part of it was, I mean, the people that came to the tap room back then were coming from much farther away, so it helped. It really helped, like, get the brand name out of there, because now, you know, somebody just getting into craft beer might not necessarily drive forty minutes to come down here to see us. They're going to be able to drive 10 minutes to the whatever town they live in. There's probably a brewery right there. Um, so I think back then it definitely helped, um, you know, spread the, the name of Whalers a little bit. Cool. Let's dive right in then. Um, so we've talked about the founding. We've talked about, you know, sort of the location and the vibes. Uh, but let's talk the beers. Um, at any given time, you know, what's on tap now? What should consumers expect on tap? And maybe some of the inspiration behind some of the beers, too. You want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, so I guess um, I think Rise is probably the most familiar to you guys. Um, as of most of Rhode Island, as I mean, Rise is Whaler's beer, for sure. Um, that's kind of the first beer that uh, Wes and I um, kind of created together. Uh, we both have different um, kind of styles that we like to brew, but Rise was the first um, that we collaborated on. Yeah, when, when, when I first met Josh, he was like Ronan and the Marines, you know, these big, big flavorful beers, eight, nine percent, big boys, hops, lot, lots going on. <laughs> Great beers, but just not my style. I was more lighter, fruited, sours, that type of stuff. So Rise was kind of like Josh said, the, the merger of that, where he, you know, he had the rise recipe. It wasn't rise at the time, but then we kind of packaged it in a easy to drink, lighter bodied beer with all, still with all the flavor and, and stuff that was, you know, true to the original brewing of it. So it's kind of a neat story on how that developed. And I mean, rise as a brand itself has grown not only within the state, but around New England, the country and the world. And we'll talk about the awards that we were chatting on the car ride here. It's like a little brewery in Rhode Island is recognized in Australia, France, uh, you name it with these competitions. But in a market that, especially when you guys started, the forefront was always hazy New England IPAs. That was what everyone wanted. Obviously, you talked about your flavor profiles and what you like, but why did you feel like this was going to be a successful beer? And how has it scaled since you first created it? Well, back then, um, IPAs, everybody had IPAs. Every I mean, everyone made an IPA, and you go into a, an account, and they'd have three IPA lines. Um, but there really wasn't like a pale ale market at the time, um, so you know we were, figured we could make a 
hoppy, you know, hoppy beer with all that same flavor packaging a lighter body beer because you're not trying to fight for, you know, one of their three pale ale lines because a lot of times place didn't really have it. So it, it kind of slid into the, you know, market really well um, back then. And obviously it's totally different now. So, you know, who knows what would happen if we tried to release, you know, rise nowadays, but it just happened back then that worked out really, the timing was really great. When you think about all the places that Rise has, like I, I, I think I was in like Washington D.C. and I saw Whaler and Rise on drafts. I'm like, oh, it's interesting. Somewhere like you know, it's outside the, outside the confines. Um, what, I mean, what's the coolest thing for you guys to see your beer get out there? Is there like a place that you said, wow, Rise is there? Like that's pretty cool. I mean, geez, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Um, it's hard for me to pick out like a, a specific bar or restaurant. Um, but I think overall, I think it's so cool to be drinking at a bar somewhere and watching the bartender pull your draft handle and pour a beer for someone else. And in your head, you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That's my beer. So I have no idea who they are and they're drinking it right now. And like they don't even know right next to it. It's like, yeah, I brewed that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like hidden celebrity. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. So, let's talk about those beers and the awards. So, on this list, I mean, Gauntlet of Accolades. So, best beer, gold medals in New York, Berlin, Germany, Melbourne, Australia, Lions, France. Best brewery awards, top finishes across the globe. What's the secret? Without giving away too much of the secret. We just chopped down the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think part of it is that we're we're just super obsessed with the beer. We're constantly trying to make it better, but also keep it consistent at the same time. Make it continuously make it better. Um, and I, I think the other thing, I mean that this of what I drink when I go out so you're the best judge of the beer that you're making so if you want to I feel like I'm a pretty average consumer and I know what I like so we just kind of make the beers here that we like to drink and it's worked out fairly well so far and how much rise do you actually produce in a year uh, we'll do about 20,000 barrels this year just about wow so, and then from your perspective too, as starting from home brewers and building up this commercialized process, how do you keep that consistency in a, in a beer when you scale it up to, you know, thousands and thousands of barrels? Honestly, it's easier with the equipment. So it's a lot easier to keep the consistency with our hundred barrel brew house than it was with our three barrel system five years ago. It, it's just, the equipment is like, is like next level, all the controls and the, it's just not as challenging as you would think. And less work for you guys. You just press a couple buttons and it's like recipes. Still working, still working. Um, what, what else too here on tap? Because I feel like the natural inclination, like you ask a Rhode Island consumer, whalers, they know rice, right? That's, it's obviously, but I mean, we've got some offerings right here on the table too. We've got obviously the whole tap room, a couple of different handles. Um, you know, what, what else, uh, have, what else is on tap for lack of a better term? I mean, I guess for the tap room, it's kind of fun because, um, other than the flagships that 
Russ will probably tell you all about in a second. Everything else is rotating. So we're constantly keeping fresh, different beer up there. Um, it's, uh, you don't want to go to the same place. And I mean, I do always want to drink the same beer, but, um, it's good to every, offer variety. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the other beers that, uh, you may, I'm sure you've seen out, um, we just launched an IPA finally, which is like earth shattering, mind blowing. Who would have thought <laughs> Welcome to the market. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's Muse, um, and it's our kind of, you know, branding it our ever evolving IPA. So it's always going to be Muse and we're changing right now. We're on version 13. Um, and as we develop the recipe or we want to change some ingredients, it'll just kind of keep staying fresh. Um, right now it is a hazy IPA, uh, style. Um, it's more of a orange creamsicle than your standard galaxy mosaic you know there's so many of those um and so we wanted to do something that was in the same vein but a little bit different so um we use some brew one hops which is a new variety from us and uh, el dorado and citron and, um, and you get more of that like sweet fruit kind of creamsicle i guess and, uh, is muse a subtle hint of muse tavern like a subtle it's subtle... a great coincidence <laughs> <laughs> But it was a nod to the cap, or not the cap. Just like, yeah, you know, we're we're acknowledging this uh, as a favorite spot down here. Um, and then, aside from uh, Rise and Muse, we have our Drift line, which is hard seltzer. Um, so we started with cucumber lime, which is probably one of the most crushable, refreshing things I've ever drank. Um, and we're getting into the season for it now, so keep an eye out for it. It's just super light, super refreshing. Um, pureed cucumber goes right into it. Lime, so it's, it's really good, and we're um, in the next month or so probably gonna release a blueberry lemon uh, as like a second flavor in that. Nice. I remember the first time we had the uh, the hard seltzer was at the beer festival, and the crew you guys had at the table, they brought the juice. They were entertaining. <laughs> they were they were all about. We had the cameras and everything. They were all about it, but they were very insightful. So I don't know if that. Gives them a bump in their uh, mid-year <laughs> reviews, but yeah, we, we'll, no, definitely does. We uh, we appreciated that, but they it was last year's beer festival that they first brought it out, and I was like, this is awesome, and it was yeah. the first table we hit, so it's the perfect perfect one to start. And every time we needed a palate cleanser, let's head back to the seltzer. So that's good stuff. <laughs> I love that. Um, in the beers you make, was there ever a surprise that you had that you know? Obviously, you're always trying to create the best beer, but was there one that when you were making the recipes and then finally created, you're like this is going to be a hit? <laughs> Switch, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are some happy accidents you have, <laughs> um, as Pop Ross would say. Um, there was one. It was, I had never seen a stuck mash. It was like, it was like the, the mash was full of concrete. Like this, this was draining out maybe like, I don't know, a half gallon of, like, I don't even know the, how slow. The mash was literally just a sponge. There <laughs> it, was no it took, draining. It, just... this, it was a, a two-day brew because it took so long. And ended up, it was like heavily, it's got a ton of weed and a whole bunch of stuff. And so the next day we'd fire up the thing and we'd, we'd go to boil it. And it must have caramelized the crap out of the bottom of the kettle there. And the beer was probably one of the better taproom beers we've made. It was phenomenal. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was yeah, like awesome. It, 
It was excellent. It was like this I've, Belgian, like candied sugar kind of thing, and it wow. was like sweet, and it's got like orange like notes to it. It was like but like amazing. very well balanced too. Yeah, it was great. But yeah. literally, no, <laughs> just a happy accident. No way to recreate that ever. <laughs> how could you? So I hope you guys like kept some in the archives, buried underneath. You know, when, when we stretched <laughs> those cakes out for a long time, yes. yeah. we didn't want to get rid of it. Going a little slow, the pours. Like, yeah, you guys, the glass uh, yep. the full. <laughs> Love that. So, and are there any beers that you haven't made yet that you'd like to? I mean, you obviously mentioned the IPAs are fairly new, but is there a beer that you know is outside the whalers, you know, foresight that hopefully in the future you'd like to create? There's always something percolating up there. So we have a, a nice little nano uh, pilot system next door. Josh has got a couple things he's working on. I mean, there's like, there's still homebrew buckets over there, just like it was 10 years ago, you know, behind the big fermenters, this little five gallon bucket, you know, with the little airlock bubbling away. So yeah, there's always something cool that we're, you, you're somewhere and you're just like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'll, maybe I'll try and make something like that. And you're just going to you know, mess around for a while and see how it comes out. Nice. Nice. So at Whalers, what does is, what is this upcoming year look like? Um, what do you guys think, like, big picture, next couple will? And then, you know, in the near term, too, anything, uh, you know, in the thick of spring, summer coming up, anything anything exciting coming up? Um, I, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, Whalers, uh, like a bigger picture thing is uh, we're looking to go to New York this year, um, which um, I'm really, really excited about. It's going to be really cool to... Uh, he has some bar in Manhattan. <laughs> Hopefully, have a few whalers. You know, it's uh, that's always been a, a big dream of mine. Be in a big city. Get you to uh, Yankee Stadium, City Field. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, honestly, anywhere in New York City, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pretty happy. But uh, so you're looking to expand to New York. How about Providence? Too far? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I've never been there. No. Yeah. <laughs> We get, we get your beer all the time though, so that's fair yeah. enough. But we'll, we have to make the Sold visits. for the Providence liquor stores. Yeah, we'll send it to the liquor stores, and uh, we'll come visit more. But as we close out the show, do you have any advice for people? You know, obviously, you guys both made you know big career switches, but also just met at strangers online, which is you know this episode is brought to you by Craigslist and Ruby Tuesdays and TGI Fridays. So not a bad not a bad thing. You know, you're kind of helping Craigslist. <laughs> their stock get boosted right now, but is there any advice for someone just trying to, you know, take that next step and, you know, meet a stranger and, and build a business? I think that one of the first things that I did before we actually started was just volunteering or getting in touch with breweries. Like, if you are really interested in it, I, I know I would come down from Boston and visit a couple um, and just, like, help out where I could just to get, like, a feel for what goes on. And it's pretty cool. It's a good experience. You can see what what you're getting into before you actually, you know, make the commitment. So um, I think that's, that's a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And, uh, be bold and do your homework. Make sure you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, Wes and Josh, that's really it. Thanks guys. Where, uh, where can consumers come and find your beer, whether it's here at the tap room or elsewhere around Rhode Island and, uh, where can they find you on social media too? If they go somewhere and can't find it, let us know. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a word with our sales guy. Yeah. Pretty good job putting it out there. So. I was going to say, there's just about everywhere. You right? got billboards, you got trucks everywhere. Yeah. yeah, the whale is very much present. 
the tap room as well for those in this area where, uh, or for those not in this area, where can they find the tap room too? So uh, we're right in uh, South Kingstown, Rhode Island, in the uh, Palisades Mill. It's 1174 Kingstown Road. It's kind of a tricky spot to find, but it's, uh, it's a hidden gem. It's well worth the, uh, the look, though. Search for the tower. And, 2015, uh, <laughs> there's an award. Hidden gem. Yeah, yeah. We, are, we are the hidden gem. It's hard to find. Perfect, perfect. Uh, social media as well. Where can they, can they find you guys on Instagram or anything like that? Um, yes. Joanne does a lovely job. She's behind the cameras here. It's just Whalers Brewing. There you go. Whalers Brewing. Look for Rise everywhere. And uh, if you can't find Rise, we got an issue. But we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And uh, good luck with everything. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you, guys. guys. Thanks yeah, for coming it. down. I know it's a long drive. <laughs> I know. I got to pack my to go bag. But we're okay. We're okay. Sweet. And that was just. Wes and Josh from Whalers, great interview, great conversation, great time at the tap room. So definitely check them out if you're in South County. And again, you can find their beer anywhere and everywhere. If you haven't had Rise yet, you're missing out. Um, they have truly, you know, changed the game in light beer, I would say, because that's a, that's a go-to light beer where, you know, we're very IPA focused, but we have all types of selections and varieties on the show. But it's a hot summer day. You're going for the Whaler Rise. If you're unsure with the beers on tap, Whaler Rise is always there to uh, bring a smile to your face. So good stuff all around. And yeah, we're excited to head back down this summer and, and beyond. So thanks, Josh and Wes, for joining us. And now we're heading to our ball segment presented by Manscapes and Presented by Manscaped. Presented by DraftKings. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Rewind there. Um, it's the Stanley Cup season, so it's time to light up the lamp during hockey playoffs with the DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code BBB. That's code BBB only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Eligible states with various jurisdictions. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. I think you get a 97 on that read. That was Hockey good. Season. Except for uh except for <laughs> getting their except for introducing the wrong sponsor. That's okay. You're We're friends with everybody. We're friends with <laughs> we everybody. are. We are. Hey, that's use a good plug for Manscaped, too. Go to Manscaped and use the code house. Might as well while you're there. off and free shipping. Yeah, we don't have to tell you how it's good for every man, baby, and child because we've done that enough. Uh, and the lawnmower 4.0 is still good. Got my replacement blades a couple weeks ago. Um, it's like it's a brand new product. So here, here's the plug for Manscaped. We're friends with everybody, like you said. Uh, but this is about... Some wagers uh, from our friends at DraftKings. Uh, now that I am a new Massachusetts resident, I am loving using the DraftKings app. Um, first of all, I will say I love how you can place a future on basically any team in any sport at any time. That is a luxury that we did not have with the Rhode Island Sportsbook. We have it with DraftKings. Um, 
And because our intro into this segment was hockey, we'll start with hockey. Uh, this is the the weird scenario in hockey right now. It's like uh, your final four teams are Carolina, Florida, Vegas, and uh, Dallas. And a lot of the hockey traditionalists are like, this is dumb. This is stupid. Why isn't it? Boston, Toronto, uh, and then what are the original six teams from the West? Like, I don't know, uh, Chicago and whoever else. You know what's wild, though, is these four teams were in the Final Four back at the COVID Cup. That's – wait, that's actually insane because it's the same in the NBA. That's kind of scary. It's yeah. vindication across the board. But I, I like it. I've always said, like, in the NBA, the – the fact that they're the teams are going to play each other again in real life conditions with packed houses and you know no excuses all's right in the world we're getting the actual playoffs that we deserve none of this bubble shit i didn't even put two and two together that these were the these were the teams yeah and i mean it's a it's a weird matchup but you can't say it's not going to be a competitive one um i believe we have a house hockey preview with handled coming up uh, probably soon. I think it'll probably drop probably soon. Um, but I think for the majority of us, we had it in six games or seven. And if we start in the East, I mean, both teams hats off are talented squads that had weird regular seasons. They were always overlooked. They were always overlooked. Um, you know, I don't have any, you know, skin in the game in this one. I have my opinion on what I think is going to happen. And I think we have the same picks. We're close. You have Vegas. I had Dallas, but we I was talking about take Florida. I was, yeah, I was talking, we did both take Florida first. Yeah. We took Florida. Yeah. Against Carolina. Yeah, And again, like I, I on paper think Carolina is a better team. Um, and I think that they have one of the best defenses in the NHL. But you can't overlook what the Panthers have done. Not only are they great offensively, I mean, they were the President's Cup trophy winner last year. So it's like you can't really count them out as this underdog, but they are playing the Cinderella team very well in this series. I mean, they took down the Bruins and the Leafs. So, you know, why not continue it? That's the thing. Like, there, I think a lot of people, when, and, you know, I, I obviously wanted them to get fucking swept their first round it's like oh florida's cute right they had a rebound at the end of the season blah 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 just get them out of the way and then they shut everybody up they're like no we're gonna take down the mighty boston bruins and then they said oh you know well toronto great that's the it's their team of destiny they're gonna win the cup this year blah 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 they were the betting favorites mind you on DraftKings at one point the toronto maple leafs so I would have just taken your money at that point. Had you placed that, I would have been like, yeah, I'll hold that bet. I'll pay it out if it happens. Um, Florida beat him in five games in Toronto. You don't see that shit every day. So it's like, it's coming down to the moves they made. I think Maurice is objectively like uh, their head coach. I don't necessarily think it was the wrong move by Winnipeg to fire Paul Maurice last year. And granted, I'm I'm a new hockey fan, right? Like I I was never really I I never kept up with the sport previously as much as I do now, but like sometimes just voices fall dry, 
right? Like you saw that in New York a couple of years ago with the Islanders. Like you're seeing it now with Gerard Gallant and, and with the Rangers. Like you saw it in Boston last year. Bruce Cassidy was, you know, a, a good coach, but his voice just wasn't resonating anymore. Um, look what he's doing in Vegas right now. And that's the same with Paul Maurice. This guy's won 90 billion places. You go out and make a blockbuster trade. You trade Huberdo to Calgary where he's going to rot for the next couple of years while they figure out their situation over there. And you bring in who a guy who I think is the best American active player right now, and that's Matt Kachuk. Um, this is a scary team. And recording this now, you know, Florida's up 2-1 heading into the third. Kachuk hasn't even scored, right? They don't need him to score to do – he's just he, – he's one of those guys that he's going to – he's going to body you. He's going to talk a bunch of shit. He'll probably set up a couple of really good passes. He's an excellent screener, but God, he's going to wear you the F out. And you see the Kachuk effect on both the teams they played and already on Carolina right now. And that's talking the Florida Panthers. Um, I, I think Carolina, they're, I don't want to discount Carolina because like you said, on paper, they are a better team, right? I mean, they, they have big bruising defensemen like Brent Burns is just a, such a big motherfucker and they've got some real good depth. I mean, to uh, Tavo Teravainen's back now, who was a big part of their offense last year. Uh, this year is taking a little bit of a backseat, but he's still good. But Carolina. And again, I'm not talking shit about the Islanders here or the devils for that matter, but it felt like it just wasn't competitive in either of those two series. So I think they kind of skated no. by and that was it. Yeah, and I think, to I mean, again, it was the first round for the Islanders, and you know they snuck into the playoffs. They kept it close. They should have taken it a little bit farther, and I think they should have beaten the Carolinas. The Devils upsetting the Rangers, I think that was their Stanley Cup, and they were like, you know what? We weren't even supposed to be here. Not yet, at least. And it's a fair point. I mean, who thought the Devils would be what they were after their dreadful... Like, Frank the Tank Fleming stood here almost a year ago to the date and was talking about how the Devils are destined for doom. Like, to mm-hmm. us. Um, which is an electric interview, too. But, like, he was talking shit about Lindy Ruff. He was talking shit about everybody on the team, really, except Jack Hughes. And they pulled something together. They picked up Timo Meyer. They got a great season from Dawson Mercer, and then Dougie Hamilton decides he want to be he wants to be good again. So, you know that was their Stanley Cup. I think it was. You know, you knock out the mighty New York Rangers, who went all in, quite literally. I mean, they. I, w- I don't want to say they mortgaged the future for Pat Kane, but they they gave no, up. A you, lot. Make that, you make that trade ten out of ten times. Oh, right. Um, they wouldn't. I would have easily done that again if I were them, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like in hindsight, it kind of sucks that like, all right, you probably just rented Kane because I he's probably not going to come back. But you never know. Yeah, I guess. But then they I, like like the priority has to be uh, Tarasenko from St. Louis. Like you just that was, a bigger, that was a bigger trade. I think it was more impactful. I think you. Well, it was more impactful. But I mean, yeah, that guy's going to get paid. All right, you talk about guys that are going to impact the team in the future. I mean, like Tarasenko is probably one that if he sticks around, he's going to be there for – he might end his career in New York Ranger, depending on how the leadership stakes out. But I don't know. So you have yeah. Florida in seven, right? Is it seven? I have it in seven. I think it's going to seven, too. I think, it, I think it's – yeah. I, 
even if, if even if Florida doesn't win, I, I still think it's a seven game slate. Yeah, I, I just think that you see the way Florida's played. It's like, you know, against these big bruiser defensemen, they it, they'll slow them down a little bit. But I think that game has to it's it's going to end up going seven that series. What, yeah, what I so what I genuinely don't know is what happens in the West. Like I was writing my preview having Vegas and then I'm starting to write it out. I go, wait a second. I'm making a case for Dallas here. And that's just Uh, how it ended up for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of hard because I mean, first off, I, what Vegas has done to create the buzz around hockey, you have to admit is pretty cool. They're not the new kids on the block anymore, but they've been in the mix since day one. I mean, I think this is their third or fourth Western conference final. Dude, they got, yeah, the last couple of years, the they were right there in the conference final. And guess guess who their former head coach that did that, guess who he's coaching now? The yep. Dallas F and Stars. Right next door. That's actually pretty no. cool. That, but again, like, though. Either Vegas he, gets over the hump or he does. I think that's an awesome story. Yeah, and again, though, like this Vegas team has obviously seen a lot of change. But now they have Jack Eichel and he's playing at the level that we all saw in Buffalo many years ago. You know, I think right now he leads the team in goals, assists and total points. Um, you know, Vegas has obviously done very well this this playoff series, but you have to look on the other side. The Stars have a better defense. They're anchored by an incredible goalie in um, Ottinger. And then they also just shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl over in Edmonton. Who Dallas? Or well, Vegas did that. I mean, that's what I'm. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, although the stars have that defense, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Look at what Vegas just did. They, that's true. Know, they knocked down two of the top players in the league and one of the hottest offenses. But can they also do that on a net that has one of the best goalies in the league? Yeah, that's that's fair. And Ottinger, to be fair, has not been playing. I don't want to say he's not been playing well. He's been playing well enough to keep them in games. And like the crack it, I attribute that to like more of Seattle caught fire, right? They were, they were passing so well. Like these expansion teams are crazy. I know. It's crazy. I'm so happy. How are you in the mix at year two? I know. I was all, I was such a crackhead while they were there. Like I, I, in team Dallas, I'm pretty sure. Like I want a Dallas Florida final and I really wouldn't care who won at that point. I'd probably slightly prefer Florida, but God, wouldn't it be so cool if the Kraken made it? I know. I, I think this is now. All right. Spin zone on this good for hockey or weird for hockey. This final four. That's the thing. That's like kind of where it was going when we started this. It's like, the emerging markets are going to be so over the moon about this. But like at the same time, you see how quick, like you build up a fan base in the West, they'll love you for a bit. But then, then what if you end up like Arizona who just voted to strike down? I mean, they're going to move, like they're going to relocate the franchise, which really sucks. We'll have to play when the time gets closer, where they'll go. Because I, I honestly think Kansas city might be the play. They're in the mix. Sacramento's in the mix, apparently. They're saying Atlanta could be uh, a possibility, which, you know, obviously they moved the Thrashers to Winnipeg a few years ago. I don't know. 
I don't know. They're talking Houston. Bring it back to Hartford. Seems to be giving some momentum. Bring it back to Hartford. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> be a shame. God I wish shame. it would. Like if they move something. That definitely won't happen. <laughs> Where are they going to play at the amp? <laughs> yeah. That place would be an electric factory, but again, too close to Boston, but neither here nor there. Um, so are you still on the fence? Because I, I also think this game is going to go, this series is going to go to seven. And I'm I think this gonna, goes to seven. I do. I'm going to take the Knights. Yeah. And that's like, it's one of those. I just, I thought about this when I was writing my preview and Originally, it was the Knights because of how well they were playing offensively. Um, but then I was just, I was putting two and two together. I'm like, you know, Vegas is riding with two backup goalkeepers right now. If you look at it, three, you've got John Quick hanging out on the ninth floor watching these games who could pinch hit if he needs to. But like, are you telling me, I, I don't know. It's not a knock on Laron Bressois or Aiden Hill. But, like, I, I just trust goaltending so much more. You see what Sergei Bobrovsky is doing right now? Like, he sucked the whole year, and he's pl- he's standing on his head for Florida these past two series. And I have to – you have to think Ottinger is going to turn the corner. Like, you have to think he's going to step up and make a few big saves for this team. So, started writing it out, and I said, you know, this just makes too much sense, right? Um and what's also really cool is that Eichel's playing Ottinger again, both BU boys, mm-hmm. um, or Boston. Boston, boys. yeah. Um, Ottinger is the BU kid, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm sort of on the fence, but I'm Team Dallas here. I think they're going to get it done. Love what Rupe Hints has been doing. Uh, Jason Robertson, excellent year, not in the finalist for the uh, MVP award, which sucks. So. When the Stanley time, when the Stanley Cup comes and it's time for a preview, we'll bring Hanald on um, because I, I'm pretty sure he's in the same boat with us, and he, all three of us will probably be wrong, and it'll be a uh, somebody. Uh, well, he's yeah, yeah it's Carolina. Um, he's Carolina, Vegas. I'm pretty sure. I so. Which I tend to have very opposite hockey opinions as him. Which, whatever, he knows more about the sport than me, but. He also told me the Bruins are going to be worse than Buffalo this year. I'd rather be Buffalo, to be honest, the way this season ended up. I mean, you guys are both on vacation, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, they're golfing together. Who the fuck cares? No one one cares the season they had. It sucks. But they deserve nothing more. The way they played, the way... I'm not getting into it. I'm just going to get frustrated. So That's for another day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And then from there, I think like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm team Florida. I just want them to get it done the whole way, get it done. Shut everybody up. You deserve to be there as an eight seed. I'm team Florida. I think that's just speaking from the heart there. If we get a, (laughs) the fact that just look at Florida pro sports right now. Um, (laughs) You have the Panthers, who we just discussed. You have the Rays, who I think are fraudulent because they had a cakewalk schedule, but still hold the best um, record in baseball, and they're on pace for like 120-plus wins. And then you now have our basketball chat, the Miami Heat, who just took one 
at the Garden. Game mm-hmm. one, Jimmy Butler. And we were watching it with some buddies and one of our friends, Cam Jessen, who's a big Celtics fan. Literally, I looked him in the eyes and said, how worried about or worried, worried are you about this Miami team? He goes, no, we'll do it in five. Now, that still is the case because, yes, they lost game one. The game I think that's one. still in play right now, to It's be still in play, but I, I don't think so. I honestly think that this Miami team, and I'm not just saying that because they took down the Knicks, <laughs> and I'm not saying that because they beat the Bucks and the Bucks are in shambles. I'm saying that because Jimmy Butler is a baller and a gamer, and he might be Michael Jordan's son at this rate. Wow. Um, because now, I mean, that's the whole conspiracy theory of like, he might be his son. There's questions about it. There's kind of some similarities. And then like they dropped the story that, oh, when he came to Miami, Pat Riley said he can um, unretire Jordan's 23 to wear it. And it's like, why are you bringing that up now? Why is it, is this a new conspiracy? Like I've only recently heard this. It's been in like, it's, it's something how like, you know, Michael Jordan had a, uh, a child out of wedlock and <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, Butler, Butler. <laughs> Jimmy Butler didn't have a father and then was getting payments. I don't know. I, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, that's funny. But now it's like, yeah, maybe because like this guy, when the bright lights flash, Jimmy Butler balls out. And I think the Sixers fucked up letting him leave. And I think Minnesota tried to try to make that work. And I think the bulls never utilized him. Right. So Miami's got a good one. And if you look at their team on paper, looking at names, you're like, what is this mosh pause of players? But they know how to work. And that's all because of Eric Spolstra. That guy knows how to coach. And everyone said, you know, when it was LeBron and D Wade and all of that stuff. And, you know, these star studded teams are like, oh yeah, well, no, no, why? No, re- there's no, no shit that he won all those titles. Now look at him now. Guy knows how to game manage. The guy knows the X's and O's. And I think he's going to expose Joe Missoula, who I'm sorry, as a Rhode Islander. Um, I think he's going to get exposed. You're going to disparage a Johnston, Rhode Island guy like that? I mean, it's like... Fathers in the Bryant Basketball Hall of Fame? You And I don't want to. Like, I think he's a very talented coach, but he's young and raw, and he'll he'll flourish in this position for years to come. And they have a talented squad, but... I mean, you lose game one after you had a lead and you're like, yeah, they just outplayed us. Like, no, <laughs> you, you mismanaged the game. I know that was bad. So I it doesn't I, know when to call timeout. Like still, no. it's kind of nuts. But I also made the joke too. I'm like, I'm like, you have one of the best X's and O's guys and Brad Stevens up in the box eating pizza with uh, Bill Belichick. You can't tell me he can't make a phone call or come down to the bench. I know. <laughs> is he on, was he on pitch com from upstairs? You know, I know it might be overstepping boundaries and something, but come on. This is, this is not a regular season game against the Charlotte Hornets. This is the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. But like, if you're Brad Stevens, you went upstairs. So you didn't have to do any of that stuff. Like, is he really okay, going to want to get is- involved and be like, yo, no, we're calling this play. Like it's going to run through Tatum. And then, you know, what would, I, you, I would know. you rather as a fan? lose or have your old head coach who's now your GM. Well, you can't, when you say it like that, that's, that's not, I mean, that's what it is. That's when you say, would you rather lose or it could be whatever. And you just pick the other option or win a cup because your former head coach, now GM called a couple plays when it was like (laughs) two minutes left in the fourth quarter. I don't know. All right. Come on. I mean, call a spade a spade either way. 
I think the Celtics can still pull it out, but I don't think it's a cakewalk that people are anticipating. Like ESPN dropped before the series started that the Celtics had a 97% chance of winning the series. So now that's the meme when the, when the, heat I, yeah, you can't yeah. do that. He's like, no way the Miami heat after taking down two pretty powerful, cohesive teams are a 3% chance. Like, you know, this yeah. is, this is March madness. One Oh one, you ride the hot hand. I'm not to be clear. I'm not saying I like support what ESPN did with that they do that stupid thing where they run a bunch of simulations. They run like two, 3000 simulations and matters. that's, but right. It turns, it's like, it's cool that they do that, but it is inviting people to make memes. Like you said, yeah, it's like you could hang that up in the heat locker room and that's all they need. Yeah, 3%. That's a, you could see that in photos. Like, oh, we had 3% chance we're, we're in there. I mean, you can look at this team where it's like, okay, you you have Jimmy Butler. You have Bam Adebayo, who's not playing as well as he should be. And then, I mean, Kevin Love's old. Kyle Lowry's washed. But both of those guys have championship rings. So I mean, Adebayo had – he went 20-8 and eight last night with five – No, six. no. Like, I'm just saying, like, he should be more dominant than he, than yeah, he has. Yeah, right. Playing. I always forget um, Kevin Love's on this team. But like you do have Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry who are both, you know, there. And they're Lowry, I will say, I think is I think he's the X Factor off the bench. It's a, he he's not a starter anymore and he accepted that role and like now they're performing well. But like I said, you look on paper and these all these young overlooked guys that were all undrafted that are fitting perfectly into this puzzle that you call the Miami Heat. Yeah, Max Struess at DePaul. Um, I didn't really – I followed Struess. I did not really follow Gabe Vincent when he was at UC Santa Barbara. I love this dude. This kid can ball. And that's all without Tyler, Tyler Hero. That's true. Hero's going to be out uh, probably for the rest of the playoffs, it sounds like. Maybe they'll get him back in the finals if they make it that far. But he was wearing his cardigan last night, so he's – he had, the, yeah. he had his fingers taped up. Cause I, what, did he break a few fingers or some shit? It's in the championship. You play with a fucking broken hand. I'm sorry. Not when all you can do is shoot. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You can't really do much else. You figure it out. But So, I, like I said, I, I think the – I'm not trying to bandwagon the heat right now because I want, you know, the Celtics to lose. Because I do I do like the Celtics even as an expand. I just, I just think where it's like – Yes, you have Tatum and Brown in this star-studded cast that was, you know, very dominant in the regular season. But I'm riding the Cinderella. I, I think Miami in six or seven. I don't know. And, like, I understand it's very similar to the Florida Panthers, right? I'm getting shades of this because it's like, you know, doubted team. They had some injuries or whatever. And, you know, but this this Miami team is just a bunch of misfits. And I, I keep – like Florida, I just trust that they're going to do something good because I think they're a good team. Miami, it almost feels the opposite for me personally, where it just feels like, okay, so they've been riding too much of a hot streak. Something's bound to go wrong. That's just where I'm at with the Miami Heat right now. Because um, I don't think Butler can do it all, right? Like, Adebayo, to your point, hasn't been playing that great. Like, Vincent and Struess have that you can't discount the years that they've had and what they've contributed, but 
I don't know. If the Celtics play a little defense, this shouldn't be a problem. So I, that's that's where I'm at with this. I, I, I'm thinking Celtics in six. I think they're going to recover pretty quickly. I think they're going to win at least the next two. Maybe the next three. Uh, they're not sweeping in Miami. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. And, I mean – one thing that I noticed in the, uh, you know, the Knicks playoff series, and again, I'm going to be on a roll with this uh, figure of uh, speech, this, 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 these uh, puns right now. When you're down in Miami, the arena turns up the heat. And because I'm dead ass serious, you saw with the Knicks that Ma- Madison Square Garden is always a cool, chilly 65 degrees. Guys are loose. Guys feel good. When you get to Miami, that place is hot. There, It's like a 90-degree inside heat, and the Miami Heat know how to play better because you have guys like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle that were cramping up in the stadium. Is that a thing, or is that like – is it just speculation here? I think it's a proven fact. <laughs> what do you mean you think it's a proven fact? Where it's like where guys are not used to playing in warmer climates. Get I, I know, but up. is like that – is that a thing that people are saying, or is that just like – I bet you're you putting two and two together. We've been in inside MS Madison Square Garden. Cool, chilly 65. <laughs> Dude, it was like 45 out when we went. Still, they keep it regulated. I, I don't have any. I can't challenge that. I don't. I simply don't know. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I mean, directionally, that's correct. Yes, like it's going to be 85 and humid in Miami, probably. But like, also, does that mean they have to go to a hookah bar? Like. And again, you're down in Miami. The Miami players, playoffs or not, they're always accumulated, accumulated to the surroundings and the and the club scene and the partings and the beach. You get an off night. Tatum's gonna go sneak. <laughs> not Tatum, uh, but your bench. Uh, Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard or Blake Griffin are totally hitting up eleven. Uh, Blake Griffin might. Those are guys you need a quality 10, 15 minutes. Now, because here's Blake. Blake Griffin's careers were surged. He could have rolled over and been like, nah, fuck this. I had a good career. Like, he's actually somewhat good now. I think he's got too much to prove to be distracted. Marcus Smart's hitting the clubs. Probably. So. Like, that's talking East. I I don't. I'm still standing by Celtics in six here. Uh, number fine. one, I cannot. Uh, sorry to good friend uh, Teddy, Sean Lavoie, who's at the PGA Championship in Rochester, New York right now. Um, but I think everything about the heat stadium and the venue and the way the PA guy goes two minutes, dos minutos, it, it pisses me off. All of it. Sorry to the Miami heat. You got to respect what they've done to your point. It's, it is absolutely unbelievable. And I, I think Jimmy Butler is probably top five active in the league right now. I don't think it's it's a bold take that I would probably get challenged on, but you cannot argue this man's body of work. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and if they don't win it now, they're gonna they're gonna need to add somebody there. Yeah, I don't know who you put because K Love's getting old. I don't know how much Lowry has in the tank. Probably I hate to say, well, I I'm glad we have him, but you know who would have been a great uh, Jalen Brunson would have fit into that team perfectly. I was gonna say Randall actually too. Well. I'm not ready to talk about Randall. I have a blog in the queue. Um, 
Disgusting Knicks fans. Disgusting. The amount of hate that Julius Randle gets. It's disgusting. The guy bought into the system when no one wanted to. He did. He's yeah. an MVP type caliber player. He's uh, all NBA. He's an all-star. He, uh, you know, he plays the most minutes out of anybody in the league. Did we invite this upon him because we traded him in our uh, 2K franchise, though? Listen, would it make sense to move on from him? Yes. But his contract's not atrocious compared to the cap hit. Yes, I don't think Obi Toppin's, like, ready to start. When he does start, he is good, but, like, he's a solid guy off the bench right now. But my thing about Toppin is how, like, how much longer do you, people have been saying that for three years. Like, when is he going to turn the corner? Well, again, though, it's a whole problem. Like, again, this is the farthest the Knicks have made in the playoffs in quite a long time. Because the two scapegoats on this team right now are Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau. And yeah. I hate that because Tom Thibodeau is like the fifth most winningest coach in the Knicks history. And we're talking about the New York fucking Knicks, the mecca of basketball at Madison Square Garden and a historic franchise. And he brought the team back to the playoffs from the dark ages. Everyone's like, you don't play the young guys. You over blah, 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 blah. The Knicks have not made the playoffs more like yeah, this far. Playoffs this thing. 2013. Right. It's been a decade. And this guy brings it back. And Julius Randle comes in after that free agency where like everyone was getting the bag and he chose New York and New York paid him and people laughed and he grown into the star. And now that we have Jalen Brunson, a new shiny toy who is incredible. I mean, Jalen Brunson is going to be a MVP caliber player in this league, but why are you trying to throw away Julius Randle? Yeah. I mean, who do you replace him with? That's a question. Like you you can't just thrust Toppin in there right now. That's a regression easily. I I honestly think it's like, okay, Jalen Brunson at the one. I mean, the problem's RJ, and he's not even a problem. Like, RJ Barrett's a very good player. That's another guy, scapegoat number three. What are they going to do with him? Did they have to pay him soon? They extended him. Oh, they did. He was a well-deserving contract, and when you look back at the NBA draft, Zion Williamson bust and John Morant's going to be suspended for a whole year. Uh, yeah, he probably will. You know, guy thinks he's schoolboy Q. Get out of here. I want to talk about that too, actually, real quick too, because, like, I just want to talk about how absurd this jaw situation is. Make your next point, though. Just uh, I don't want to cut you off. I'm just saying where it's like Jalen Brunson at the one, RJ Barrett, either two or three. You can slide in a manual quickly, but I still think he should be the sixth man off the bench with with Obi Toppin right after him. And then Josh Hart, you got to resign. You got to enter in a a solid two or three guard. So who can that be? I'm kind of liking if Paul George is that option. I don't know if he's available. I I don't know if Jalen Brunson gets traded to the Knicks, but you got to fill in somebody there and then more solidify the bench. I think a guy like Dante DiVincenzo would be a great addition. Um, I think Seth Curry could be also a great addition. The Knicks have so many draft picks in the next 10 years. If Tom Thibodeau is the guy that you're riding with, we're not in the position to take these young guys and add them into the mold, trade it away. Yeah. So I guess they have to decide like, you know, Hey, are we, is this Tibbs's organization or is this the young guys organization? And I think it should be. I think you're right. Cause to your point, you look at the Knicks a couple, like who the hell could they have? Who else would they have turned to? You know, 
guy like Missoula or Doka, I don't know if that was the right fit, uh, you know, because Celtics brasses, I don't want to say they're like all just buddy, buddy and nonchalant, but like they are much more nonchalant than the, I'm going to, this is a, this is now an award-winning show. So I'm going to police what I say around here, but uh, Dolan is not that guy. We'll put it that way. No, Jim Dolan is not the guy no. that you're buddies with and he just wouldn't have fit there. Like Udoka, Missoula kind of vibe where the players coach, it just doesn't work. But again, though, the problem with the NBA is the head coach is always going to be the scapegoat. Dwayne Casey won coach of the year with the Raptors got, got canned. Nick nurse. Won yeah, a nurse with the Raptors too. Yeah. Nick nurse with the title got canned Monty Williams with the Suns, One of the most winningest coach in the last four years canned. Um, the Bucks coach, Budholzer, can't just won a title. Doc Rivers, I guess, but that's Doc Rivers, it. historic coach. He brought the 76ers. I mean, again, they're not, they, they should be, <laughs> they haven't done shit, but they're always in the playoffs and making noise and they have talented rosters. So maybe his is, um, you know, his firing is, is well doing. It's justifiable, but yeah. It's justifiable. But again, he's still a very winning, he's a very high winning percentage coach, gets canned. You look These at a guy all... like Steve Silas, though, that was very much the opposite in Houston. He was a young guy, and they tried to make that player's coach bet. They're like, yeah, this is going to work. He is like Udoka. He's a student of the game. He's going to relate with the players. And then they go, what, like, you know, did he even have 50 wins with the Rockets in three years? I don't think so. So you never know. Like, part of me, that's all to say, who the hell else is it? I mean, you're going to bring in a guy like Mike Budenholzer to New York no. if it's not Tibbs? I don't think that's the answer. Tibbs gets the best out of his players. And yes, would it be nice if he played the younger guys more? <clears throat> Emmanuel quickly came in, earned the respect, blossomed into this star. Um, Obi Toppin getting more and more minutes. He shines when the moments when it, when it comes down to where he needs it, becomes efficient. RJ Barrett is coming into this mold. Like, we're not going to draft a guy in the top 10 picks anytime soon. But if we ended up with, you know, we have these collection of picks from all these different teams where it's like trade it. Fucking here's trade also it. the thing though. I was looking at NBA mock drafts and we'll, we'll do this later when it comes around like late June, but there are going to be a lot of guys up for grabs throughout this draft because they are just all this shit. Like when Benyana is, in France, right? You've got 9 billion guys that are coming from the G league. You have guys that are playing for overtime elite now, which I didn't even know overtime had a thing. You have so many good basketball players that are in college. Like is Brandon Miller even going to go in the top five? And aside from his legal troubles, but you know, are guys like, you telling me that Nick Smith's going to be be available like mid the first round when he was projected to go fourth? Can well, that's why it could slip? I mean, these are guys that like you, there is talent waiting for you at around twenty this year. Well, the Knicks don't have a pick. That's right. I was looking through and I did not see a pick there. So yeah, we were we were hoping for the Mavs pick to fall to eleven, um, which oh, that's right. Not. But which is fine because we traded our pick for Josh Hart, and I'll take that ten times out of ten. Yeah, it's true. Rather have Josh Hart in there, but the that's also a good point of the Mavs too. I mean, they fucking tanked, man. They were that was bad. 
No, and that was what do they? They got like a little tampering. Like it was stupid. I don't know what they did, but like it's obvious that Mark Cuban was in on it because you don't just bench Kyrie and Luca. Like you just it don't. It was do that. freaking Slovenia night. <laughs> yeah, they and they played Luca for five minutes. It's How so is bad. that not blatant fucking tanking? I mean, that like should Jason Kidd be fired or should like Mark Cuban be reprimanded? That was no. Because the Mavs were just pissed off at the Knicks because, yes, the trade was all about this. This is the, the draft picks that are coming from the Porzingis trade that obviously didn't work out for them. And then they were pissed off about the whole Jalen Brunson incident when he wanted to come to New York and come home and flourish into a star. And this was the payback. And again, I'm not rooting for a number 10 overall pick. Would it have been nice? Yes. For trade capital or to get a guy like, you know, Hawkins out of UConn if he falls there. I'd be, yeah, that's a good guy right there. You know, that's what I was hoping for. But again, like we're in the playoffs and you're not, and you're a trash franchise for creating this mentality of it's okay to tank. Because it yeah, was blatant tanking. It was blatant tanking. That's bad. It's real bad. I, before we close NBA talk, I want to talk about Jaw though. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> that's all. No. Um, I just. This guy goes on social media and he posts himself with a firearm. And what is it? It's on the team plane or it's somewhere. What? Where was this gun the first time around? The first time it was in a strip club. Yeah, it was a strip club. But right. it wasn't, it was never confirmed or denied if he brought it on the plane or not. Right. But yeah, but he took the, like he took the gun on the team plane. Yeah, it's illegal to have a it's illegal to have a gun if you're not don't have a permit. One, two, it's illegal to have it at strip clubs. But three, they don't, they cannot confirm or deny if it was his gun or is in the plane. Or yeah, not. like you can way. definitely not. I don't care. He what got a slap on the wrist. Like. He got suspended for a few games. Got to come back for the playoffs. Had to go to count a rehab, which he was there for like two days. That's Talked with Adam Silver. Went on a show with Jalen Rose. Whatever. Literally, no one gives a fuck what you do in your free time. Why are you going on Instagram Live? One, after you lost in the playoffs as a two seed. Two, after you were reprimanded by this. And then three, you're hanging out with the wrong people. Because you have a guy on Instagram Live of you guys playing music, and then you're waving a gun. What? Why? I mean, give him a year. So Gilbert Arenas got for bringing a gun in the locker room. I, I think, so. first of all, we were talking about this last night. If... Silver doesn't do anything or gives a soft punishment. That is a, that will affect his legacy as the NBA commissioner, because I think he's one of those guys that he will be looked back at right now. And they'll say, yeah, Adam Silver did a lot for the NBA. Like he, he was a good commissioner, probably the best of the four sports, uh, you know, in our lifetime. Anyway, you look at guys like David Stern and maybe Bud Selig with the MLB and say, yeah, they, they probably were up there too. But this will easily affect Silver's legacy if he says, all right, you get 10 games, whatever. Suspend it for a year. Make a statement. You can't do that shit. Why are you being so stupid? Unbelievable. Give him a fucking year. 365 yeah. days from right now. I don't want to see him on the court next year. It's, it sucks. It's, it really does suck because this is a young star. Uh, a lot of eyes are on him and, you know, you, you're just why? Just why? And it's, I, I will never forget, you know, Max Pudvar, shout out. We went to uh, 
Went to Hartford to go see Vermont, almost beat Florida State, 13-4 upset. And then Murray State, 12-5 over Marquette, who was a real good team. They both Hauser brothers on that team. And then everybody's like, oh, it's this Murray State team. Like, who's this Morant guy? He might go go top five in the NBA draft. He carves it up, triple-double. What's not to love about Ja Morant? Chip chip on his shoulder, under-recruited dude, almost wins National Player of the Year at Murray State. And this is how he wants to go out. It's unbelievable. What a freaking fall from grace. This yeah. Guy. Embarrassing. Not good. Not good. Um, we do need to just mention briefly, because I, I want to do a rapid fire baseball, because what a week it was. Um, Lakers. Uh, what's it called? Nuggets. Nuggets. Lakers, Nuggets. I originally was on the Lakers bandwagon. Um, <laughs> I still think that they can do it. And I think it would be uh, pretty cool to see LeBron and the Lakers back into the playoffs, especially after starting the season with Russell Westbrook, all the drama behind that. Uh, Jokic is just incredible. I mean, this I guy, do. the guy is something freaking else. The guy is a triple double machine. Um, what a jackpot that they hit with them. I, I think this one goes in seven. Flip a coin. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know either. I think the Nuggets are going to do it though. Yeah. I think the Nuggets are as well. Like gun to my head. I think we see, I think we see Boston Denver in the final. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, Joe, uh, Jokic had 53 points against Phoenix the other night. That's disgusting. He's like guy. seven feet. Yeah. Guy is good. Guy is good. And like he can shoot, which is the scariest part about all. Like he, this dude is absolutely insane. He's 6'11, 284, and he can shoot. It's a big drink of water right there. Damn. I didn't think those specimen existed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Boston, Denver. I say Boston does it in seven. Eh, six. Uh. Miami, Miami, Denver, Miami. Actually, if we're talking weird paradox, we're talking weird paradox. I think I know where you're going with this. Got to be Lakers heat. Yeah. For vindication. Yeah. And then who was it uh, in the bubble for the NHL? It was Dallas. I looked it up. It was Tampa you were thinking of. Tampa won the bubble. They won the bubble. The Western Conference was the same. Yeah, because Vegas, uh, yeah, Vegas was, it was Tampa and uh, Vegas in the final that year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would, that would be some weird shit. Uh, we'll go rapid fire baseball. You go, you have a, you have a list of things you'd like to discuss. I got, I got a list of things I want to run through. Uh, we'll start from most recent all the way down. Mets just, uh, called up Gary Sanchez, LOL Mets. I think that's funny. <laughs> um, Someone telling KFC that uh, that he's he's got a new catcher in town. Yeah, I mean it's it was bound to happen when he signed the minor league deal. So you know, good luck to Gary Sanchez. But LOL Mets. Hope he doesn't steal um, our merch again, KFC. He might have to. Freaking piece of shit. Piece of shit. Either way, Um, shout out to the Mets though because they did beat the Rays, uh, which just helps in the standings. Again, it's 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 only May, but. I remember two, what was it, 2021, the year we lost to the Red Sox in the wild card in Boston. 
that that division came down to the wire where it's like, why do we lose two games to the crappy Orioles in like May? And or it was I think it came down to one game. You hope you win one more game in the season. Yeah, it was they were one game out. Yeah. Yeah, you win one game in the season, you host a wild card. Not saying that team was deserving of making a run, but still. No, you um, get fucking shelled at Fenway. You deserve yeah. to. So, you know, win games where it matters. But shout out to the Yankees. They do have the they did have the hardest schedule thus far. Um, and now they're tied for third or fourth in the American League East. Um, and they just took three three games against Toronto in Toronto. I like it. Even though uh, Domingo Herman got ejected for dip. Yes, Domingo Herman got ejected for the sticky stuff that was clearly chewing tobacco on his fucking pants. <laughs> Made it as a joke. Jose Trevino literally said that today. He's like, yeah, that was chewing tobacco. Uh, that was dip. Everyone knows it was. So whatever. Um, Severino's coming back. So looking forward to having that. Uh, Aaron Judge did not cheat. Stop tipping. Yeah, that's bullshit. I, that, what, a, what a dumb. What, uh, I'm just like. I'm at the point where it's like, okay, the Toronto Blue Jays are the saltiest franchise when it comes to the Yankees out of any any team in the league. And it like I thought the Rays and Kevin Cash were bad. No, Toronto, like all oh, off season worse. They're way worse. All off season long. No one is even blinking an eye about fucking Vlad, Vladdy Jr. And how many times does he say, I'll never play for the Yankees? Okay, no one asked. No one fucking cares. No one asked. Why are why are the New York Yankees in your head? I'm so done with his shit talking. I I like the and you know, actually, I think it's good for the sport. It's good for the sport. I'm not saying like I'm all about the shit talking and stuff, but like yeah, but it doesn't make it any less insufferable. I'm right with dude, you, dude. It's like November. No one cares. Like no one asked you if you're like. Like your answer as a young player should be, I want to be a Blue Jay for life until you get your back. And honestly, that should be because that's. It just makes a lot of I don't know. I so don't... that that's a point. Saying Aaron Judge is a cheater when you literally left a hanging slider right down the fucking middle for him to crush 468 feet, plus you were tipping pitches, go cry. Dude, even Jared Carabas said it. He's like, uh, maybe it wasn't that something was happening and maybe it was the dick high slider you threw him. And then the assistant coach calling uh one of the one of the our bench. Dude, that coaches. was the fucking manager. That was the manager. So, but yeah. it was our assistant coach, whatever. I think. Oh yeah, called him Fat Boy. Called him Fat Boy. Look in the fucking mirror, guy. And like, what are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? That was just like it was a classless series. That honestly, the Yankees should have swept, but whatever. They lost in the bottom of the tenth to a walk off home run. Whatever. Three games into in Toronto, I'm gonna take it. The Yankees are back, despite all the injuries. The Yankees are back. Harrison Bader, electric. Extend him now. What's uh what's up with Otani lately? I think he's still hitting like 300. No? Yeah. I've been I've been watched a lot of West Coast baseball lately. Yeah. Also, also baseball. Baseball, baseball, baseball. We were just talking today. Why I wasn't fully invested into the Yankees today. Uh because you have MLB Network one day, and then you have Prime Video the other day, then you have Nest Yes Network, and then you have see um what uh, what else were they on? They were on something else. Apple TV. Yeah. I, I, I yeah the TV. And there's been a couple. There's been a couple nights this week too, which has been annoying. That I've been driving home late trying to listen to the games, and I can't catch 
I can't catch the Yankees broadcast on the radio. I know you gotta, you gotta go online to like WFAN.com and half the time that doesn't work. And you're going through that dead zone of 95 where there's no service and you just hear Sterling go. Yeah. Like I, I I, like, I'll listen to the opposing broadcast, like whatever. I just want to hear updates to the game. Um, But I want to hear, I want to hear John Sterling and Susan. I want to hear the Yankees. I want to be there in that experience. And I can't listen to it. So baseball is having a problem with, you know, all this cutting cords and stuff. And now I'm not looking forward to football season when in terms of Peacock now hosting. I mean, I have all these stuff, but Peacock and then YouTube TV is going to be more expensive. And it's like, I just should go buy a cable box at this point. I think I was listening to Hall of Fame guest Eric Dunn's podcast. I think that's where I got this idea from, but Oh no, this was part of my take actually. But like, what if you just go to bars because like bars are going to have to spend all this money. Like you go to bars, you show up and just be like three hours before the guests come be like, I'll just set everything up. Like, give me, give me your passwords and shit. I'll get everything on the right TVs and stuff. Cause nobody's going to have a fucking clue how to do this stuff because it's just uh, streaming has screwed up football. That's it. I'm not an old head. I promise. I have every, I, I, I laughed at my parents years ago when like, again, we have all the streaming services because it's like, I don't have cable here, but I remember every year moving into college, my dad saw the the cable sticking out of the wall. He's like, Oh, do you need cable? I'm like, no. And I always laughed at them. Like when I'd go home and they still have the thousand channels, but I'm like, I go home and I get to watch whatever I want all the time. But sometimes I just want to sit in front of the TV. <laughs> it's simple. It's not like I need to change from Hulu to Peacock to YouTube to back to this. I just go to the fucking channels and I six to 12 to 34. And then you hit press last. last and you go back and forth. It's why did we cable cable messed up cable messed up costing an outrageous number. And again, I don't know the in the in working and outworking of how cable makes their money and their costing and stuff like that. You should have just made it affordable to have all these channels because now if you pile up all the streaming services you need to watch everything, it's more expensive than cable. Oh yeah. It's getting up there. It's like almost a hundred dollars more. Yeah. You might as well at that point, just get YouTube TV and like Netflix or something. I'm not, I'm just rolling with, uh, I'm rolling with the Disney Hulu ESPN bundle, uh, Netflix. What else? I like some other random shit. I I did subscribe to Apple TV for uh, Ted Lasso. That's it. I had, I keep cycling. Don't listen to this Apple. I keep cycling through free trials. (laughs) It's going to, yeah, you just, you just ruined it. I just ruined it. (laughs) Shit, man. Yeah. So, sorry for your loss. It's all right. They haven't had uh, something to like, make it worthwhile to buy yet. I'll probably like, honestly, like I, I do want to watch more soccer. So that might just be the benefit of it. Um, yeah. You get the season pass MLS. So, but, and then like the whole base, the whole Yankees and baseball and stuff. But what what is going on in the MLS right now? I'm pretty sure the, uh, the revs are still pretty high up in the standings. Yeah, they're number two in the East. 
Yeah. Damn, it just like, runs on notice. And that's the thing though, too, like the MLS, I mean, we, we will get back to our soccer talk eventually. Um, it's going on right now and nobody knows. Oh, I had no idea what the revs record was. Nobody knows. And I follow all the accounts and the, and the, and the different broadcasters and stuff. And it's not, I don't necessarily see it come up in my timeline. Here's my take. It, I, it's just too long. Like I get it. That's how European soccer functions. They go from August to May and they take the summer off. But I, I'm like, relatively speaking, I'm not saying nobody cares about the MLS or about soccer. Because there are, and I fully, I'm, I'm fully of the mindset, like, you know, underrepresented sports should be accounted for more. You see that with lacrosse a bunch. I, I think you, you love how much the growth has been and all that stuff. Look what LAFC is doing, right? They sell, they sell at the stadium every time. But nobody gives a shit about the MLS compared to everywhere else in the world. So yeah. we've we got a condensed sports. season down, you know, you instead of February to November, make it like make it made October. Right. Or April to September, October, something like that. It's just but it's even more than that, because it's like I think it's just like general, you know, I think like, for example, this was like uh, another season of we covered XFL at house and we had our weekly blogs and stuff. XFL had the worst marketing coverage I have ever seen. Was it was it was impossible to find lines for these games the day before. It was impossible. Like betting lines you're talking? Betting lines. It was impossible to find betting lines, previews, recaps of games before, like just everything. The website was clunky. The social media was awful. They never like... Teams wouldn't live update games. You couldn't watch it in many yeah, places. Yeah, their PR kind of sucked, but like it was all an afterthought. It was all an afterthought, and everyone's a like, great success of the season. And it's like yeah, it generated I'm... some buzz on cable and on social media too. I feel like I saw some XFL shit, but I couldn't tell you. I think it was was it Arlington that won? Yeah, and they were the underdog, which was cool. It was it was a good game and stuff. But I just thought they like, all right, yes, it's a work in progress, but. I, the XFL before this one, I watched more of, and I felt like there was more like buzz around it on like mainstream media where like you saw the players getting hit on the sidelines and then the sideline reporter would run up and be like, how was that hit? Like, I didn't see any of that this year. I feel like that's also what people bitched about that was going on too much though. Because a lot of the people that were watching this stuff were like, why are they interviewing players while they're getting hit? He's like, who cares? You can't win. You can't win with these people. You can't win. And it's like, I don't know. It's like we have a problem in sports where like the big four is truly becoming the big one. And I'm going to be honest, the NFL is king. It is. The NFL is king, even with the politics and the players' issues and all of that stuff. The NBA has the star power, but there's too many negative headlines that bog it down. The MLB is too long of a season, and it kind of gets boring. NHL sits in the foreshadows. 
Um, and then these, all these other smaller leagues and smaller developments, like, I mean, if we're even getting into the golf conversation, I think Liv is doing an awful job. Yeah. Didn't they, did you see the, uh, they were on the CW and they cut away with three holes left to go to go to the Goldbergs. Like they should be embarrassed. It's, it's a joke. So, and now the NHL, you just hear new stuff. Peacock, Apple TV, Tom Brady's going to be on the deck. Like it just, they, you, we are talking about NFL and it's May. I know. Like there was more buzz around your team dropping a video about the schedule than anything else going on. The end, we had two playoffs going on. Yeah. You had two playoffs. Really gave a shit. You had two playoffs. We're in the heat of, um, like the PGA and golf tournament season. You had XFL playoffs. You had all this stuff, and people were caring about what your team did to drop a schedule when you knew the opponents six months ago. Right. We knew back in October who the 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 17 games your teams are playing just not the order they even did you a favor and said here's home and here's away yeah people already they i mean they put two and two together and they figured it out and there was still more buzz still more buzz you're right it is a big one so i'm off my soapbox for tonight because what am i going to do i'm going to go on twitter and i'm looking at nfl shit (laughs) what am i going to escape Go look at John Michael Schmidt's highlights. Well, actually, shout out to the Giants. They just dropped a, um, like, and I, I ate this content up. So they started doing, like, a documentary about draft night and stuff like that. Oh, sweet. And it was, like, all the backroom stuff. And you see, like, the conversations of, like, okay, like, here are the trades that we're trying to make because, like, we have five guys that we're interested in. And they talk about, like, the teams. And you can, like, see the phone calls, like, you know, Joe Shun's calling up like the Vikings, like, you, you know, I'm good for it. Like, what, what, what's your mindset? I'm taking defense because like, you know, wide receivers are falling down and vice versa. And then they had a clip of the second round. They were torn. Their two guys that they wanted were John Michael Schmidt and Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Um, the Read second round, now, actually, I'm big blue they come, the second round comes around. And then the Bears jump them, and then, like, Dave's is like, well, fuck, like, there goes John Michael Schmitz, but at least we get Hyatt. And then they take another guy, and they're like, let's press our luck. And they got both their guys in the third, you know, second, third round. It's kind of crazy. It's cool that they let people do it. I wish they did that with the Patriots, but that's never going to happen. They won't let anyone talk to Bill. No. So, it was cool. It was very cool. Uh, I'm going to go watch some NHL highlights too. Um, All right. I got to get a score check before we close it. Uh, So the Lakers were up. Now the Nuggets are up with four minutes left to go. 99-94. We're just going to call it and say uh, the Nuggets won. Um, It's either going to be really bad radio or we just predicted the future. So have fun with that. Uh, NHL overtime. Panthers won. That's what I'm going to say. And we'll, we'll figure out if that's the truth in the morning or not. It's a fun game. All mm-hmm. right. That's all for this episode. See you next week. So long, everybody. Take it easy.
Thanks for listening. Remember to hit the follow button on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram and check out house-enterprise.com for all of our content. There's also no better way to end this podcast than a note from our partners over at Manscaped. What guy or girl wouldn't want the right tools for the job? Head over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your orders. See you next time. And remember, the house always wins.